0: Good day, folks. Uh, this is uh, Dr. Terry and Tom from the Metaphysical Mysteries, uh, the most interesting part of your day. And today we're going international, and we have Julian de Lemou. Is that about right? Did I get it good?
1: That's correct. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. I've been
0: since high school French, so just saying. <laughs> uh, so Julian, I've known Julian for a long time, and Julian is from France. Uh, and um, years ago we went to some schools together, and now uh, he's kind of moved into a different area, and for those of you from France, we're going to, that may be watching, or different European countries, we will be speaking slowly today, so we can hopefully allow you to interpret within your mind, and Julian's going to do the same for um, our places here in America that might need to uh, uh, be a little more in tune with our um accents that we all have so that's where we're at so hey julian you're a biological engineer have been for like 14 years and uh you used to live in minnesota here in the states so you are um you know very familiar with how the united states works and so forth Uh, I will let you give a little background first, and then I'm going to ask you some questions a little bit about, you know, how the whole intuitive thing happens in in Europe and France in particular. Um, But you have got an interesting background with your training in some shamanic areas, as well as many others we'll talk about. So I'm going to turn it over to you and let you give kind of a self-introduction to everyone.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Terry and Tom, for inviting me to this podcast today. Um, So my name is Julian Delumeau and I'm 39 years old. As Terry mentioned, um, I have a degree in biomedical engineering um, and I've been working in that field for the past 14 years. And interestingly, mainly in the heart area. So medical devices to repair the heart. So, you know, something linked to love already. Um, And I was pretty intuitive already as a kid. Um, I was able to read people pretty quickly um, to feel others' emotions, but I couldn't, you know, say what it was and uh, that kind of died out and um, in 2010 I actually was in the, um, in the desert in Jordan on a, on a, on a, on a trekking basically and um, I felt something happened something weird and I came back home a week after and I opened my eyes one morning and there were spirits all over my room so being in the biological engineering I felt I had been drugged the past night you know, thinking something was put in my drinks and seeing all the spirits around, and um, once I changed to bottled water for a few days and it stayed, you know, I said, "Well, either
0: I'm crazy or it's real." And um, you know, so now let me let me let me ask you: uh, I guess in most places we would call that uh, an awakening. Is that what you would call it?
1: Yes, I think it was an awakening Um, at the time. I felt pretty empty. Like, you know, I I basically would wake up, go to work, come back. And I felt it wasn't the life I was was dreaming of and uh, I wasn't feeling um, full inside of myself and then that came and I was like oh this is cool you know like I basically went to the supermarket I could see people's auras their angels their organs and I could see everything through them Mm -hmm. I'm like hmm it's pretty interesting (laughs) so that was I think the third eye awakening indeed um, that happened and um, luckily there were some psychics around um, that could help me with this because you know when you wake up and you see all of that non-stop during the day it's very scary yes so after a couple of months, I went to see a psychic, and she basically was glad to have a psychic who is also an engineer, and she confirmed that. You know, basically said, "Well, how can I get rid of this? You know, it's fun, but it's a bit weird." She said, "Well, you don't get rid of it; it's a gift."
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's so, true. That's true. I think everybody after that awakening kind of looks to uh, someone to try to mentor them. You know, through that, if it happens when you're a little kid, a little scary uh, in, in a lot of cases, and mom and dad may not know what to tell you. They may have not experienced anything like that. You being much older, plus you're a world traveler. I left that out in your introduction. You've been everywhere and you speak many languages. I think was a, a little bit of about eight languages. Isn't that correct? Something like that? Yes. Eight. Eight. Yeah. Well, you're a better man than I am. <laughs>
2: i still working on English. It's easy. are <laughs> yeah, still working English. You grew up speaking English, guys. It's easy for
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> so very good. Well, okay. So then, uh, you know, before we get into your story in particular, um, you know, what is the background with, um, you know, intuitives and things in, in France and Europe? I mean, how are they, you know, looked upon and, you know, and we'll compare compare and contrast a little bit with the United States? Hmm. I think in Europe, it's,
1: um, especially in France, you know, it's very, we were very um, medical and mind-centric country. So intuition um, was not seen really well, but we had uh, Mr. Kardec in the 19th century who started to shake the system. Um, So you can see and you can find quite a lot of, of, um, you know, intuitive writing circles in France, you know, from Kardec teachings in the 19th century. Um, And then from our experience, it's been, more and more common to encounter this in the, about the past 20 years so you first had groups um, started to um, work on you know when you basically lose someone on grief grieving so basically they would invite um, psychics and people will bring pictures of their loved ones who passed away and this is how it's fairly commonly introduced to folks in France like you have I don't know I think about a hundred uh, grieving groups in France who do that you know, public channeling fairly regularly. Sure. Um, So it's been mainly focused on that. And in some areas, um, by tradition, you have, um, you know, those psychic healers, uh, mainly Brittany, uh, you know, in some of those areas where, you know, the grandmas would know the plants and also, you know, um, basically treat the burns, that kind of stuff.
0: Um, what we would call herbalists. Yep. Yeah. And, and Brittany, for the American folks that don't remember high school geography, is a section, you know, uh, province or whatever you'd like to call it, in, in basically northern, northwestern, northeastern, uh, northwestern France, correct? Up yes, and with
1: Celtic roots, you know, and I think I think the Celtic tradition, you know, had that open mind opening. And, you know, for France, you know, the west is the coast, which is the more open area. And when you come where I live in, in the Alps, you know, it's a little less open-minded, so.
0: Right. Yeah, you are in the Alps now. Correct. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Fantastic. So you like the Alps? Is that is that a good good thing?
1: It's a good place for grounding for somebody like me.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: I bet it is. I bet it is. So okay, fantastic. I know there's um, you know, in England there's a you know, spiritualism is a big thing uh, and spiritualist church and stuff like that. Um, and I know Europe probably is not as it used to be, but I don't think it is anymore. As churchy i'll call it for lack of a better term as some parts of america are am i correct or
1: i think you know the church has lost a lot a lot of followers and uh, that's why i think so many people feel lost because spirituality was supposedly taught at church but then people felt it was too dogmatic Mm -hmm. and all the recent scandals as well didn't help much um so you know, it's, it depends. You still have some, some tradition there, but I think spirituality is taught a lot outside of churches now, especially in Europe. You're right. Makes sense.
0: Okay, well, let's get over. You say you're starting to talk to some new folks. You want to tell us how that came about and who you're talking to? Mm-hmm. So um, my psychic um,
1: abilities have been evolving over the past 10 years. So initially I would you know, receive messages from dead ones and from guides to help people evolve in their life when I had a blockade. And um, over the past few years, it's been more towards um, healing. So helping people you know, connect to their self-healing abilities. Mm-hmm. So I don't say I'm not healing anything. People you know, have the ability to connect to their own energy and to activate some circuits in the body. I think it's important people realize that. Right. And um, on that journey, one of my mentors, um, she's in Quebec, she's a Native American. And um, she called me one day, she couldn't feel both legs, like she basically woke up. And out of the blue, she couldn't walk, she couldn't stand on her legs, like they were gone. And um, when I connected with her energetic body, like basically, the, the, there were no legs. Okay. So um, and
0: uh, hey, so. Me, like, okay, well, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna stop you for a minute. For those folks who are listening to this, and you say there's no legs. We're, you're saying energetic body. Energetic body. Yep. So would we call that the astral body or the etheric body or part of the aura or what how would you classify that? So some. Yeah, I think it's part
1: of the aura. You would see basically the the the, the energy would stop by the hip um, area, and then there would be no um, energy in the physical legs area. You're right. And thanks for clarifying that.
0: So, if we scientifically hooked her up to machines to see if there was a lack of energy flow, that would show. Was that correct? That
1: would correct. There would be no energy flow in that area.
0: And, Tommy, with what you do, how would that appear to you? I mean, you do a lot of this kind of uh, energy work. Uh, have you ever had anything like that ever happen? Not
2: to that degree, where someone's lost a limb. Uh, you know, usually you'll see that with phantom limb pain with amputees. Right. Where the energy still there, even though the physical is no longer there. So just the opposite of what we're talking about here.
0: Right, right. So unusual situation. So, okay, you get connected with this lady from Quebec, and uh, you're, you're doing your thing. So tell us the story, how to, how to come out?
1: Yep, so it's, we don't. I usually do appointments, so it, it allows time for the energy to arrive and for both of us to connect um, from soul to soul level. And um, so we start looking at this, and then she tells me, you know, you have new guides coming up. And uh, she said, well, you have to basically, she was the um, excuse for me to connect with them. And um, they were very different from the ones I've been working before. They were um, pretty high in terms of energy level. And um, they basically told me what to do. So I would listen to them. I would hear, you know, I would be able to hear what they wanted to do. And they told me exactly what to do. So basically, I didn't do anything just being present to them and guiding her through that.
0: Let's clarify for a minute for, for the folks that are listening and saying guides, is these real people? No, they're, when I say real people, they're not in flesh. These are spirit people. Now, some people might call them depending on where you grew up and what you're socially conditioned to believe that those are angels. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people would call them guides and some people split those two into two different things. Do you split them into two different things or do you consider them kind of all one or how do you do that?
1: I think it depends. I think I would split them because I can sense um, on the way they behave. So for me, guides are people who have a connection with your soul. Like they know you from somewhere Right. Like they could be, you know, loved ones who passed away from other life, you know, family or other lives. And those usually are, I don't know, I sensed a friendly, but you know, like, like you meet a friend, you sense comfortable, like it's family, you know, um, mm-hmm. angels, you have some level of authority already. And it's a much higher vibration. It's usually very strong in terms of love.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And usually I feel colder. You know, because they come from higher realms, and that guy was, I think, um, at a different level. Like teacher. So between angel and the guide, sometimes you feel teacher, and you also have the authority that you sense that they tell you to do it. You know, you can't not a friend. You can't laugh with them. You know, they tell you what to do, and you have to do it. <laughs>
0: so, yeah. yeah. I, I I know what you mean. Absolutely, there is a difference. So yeah. Okay, go ahead. That's a cool story. Keep going. Yeah, so, you know, the, and interestingly,
1: it was a teacher with four students, and it was, I think he was teaching them how to work with human psychics to do that kind of stuff. And I said, okay, what do we do? And they said, um, well, her legs are, she has some karmic issues, so if people believe in past lives, what they told me is that because of what's happening now on earth, because of the change of energies, you know, a lot of things we have not handled in the past may show up in our present life. And she was at that moment where she had to um, forgive or to heal some past life where she still had, you know, um, issues not being solved. So that showed up in her legs, kind of not being um, present from the energy level. So, basically, they brought her back to those two past lives. And, and she realized, um, you know, she didn't know these. And when she accepted, and what happened, they brought back, so it was funny, kind of as if you have a big uh, sock, so oh. basically, um, over her physical legs, they put those two socks, and they kind of sutured them with the rest of our aura so that basically the energy would come back mm-hmm. to a body and, and the hope it's clear.
0: Let me, um, let me ask this question. You talk about past lives. So for the, for the listeners, um, past lives are almost a given in most cultures around the United around the world. United States is the only one where we get a raised eyebrow. Mm -hmm. Um, so when Julian speaking about that, I mean, he's speaking from, you know, the culture that he lives in, it's pretty well known that that's, that's a deal. Now, did you find out what actually happened to her? How she, did she lose legs in those lives? And, and, and if so, what, what method did she lose those legs by? I mean did she get run over by a wagon and lose them or did she get you know how what happened
1: yep so it's a good it's a good question um so what happened is that um I think one life was in the uh, Maghreb area so Morocco algeria northwest of Africa and um she got the images and I got them as well at the same time so she was there was basically a horse race or something like that she was running away it seems it was um some kind of royal or prince succession. And she was basically on fighting with others. And they basically um, pushed her uh, off her horse. And that's how she broke a leg and she died in the desert alone. They basically wanted her to die alone. So she wouldn't be able to get whatever inheritance it was. So physically at that time, I think she was very angry when she died. And I think that's why the leg, somehow part of the leg energy stayed there. the other one wasn't as clear as that one, but she might have received like a sword of the leg was cut as well. So the left and the right, basically before the session, she wasn't able to move her legs. She wasn't able to fold her knees at all. So the legs were like straight, you know, yeah. without any sensations.
0: I no wonder I said run over by a wagon. That, that's It's almost like I got a little bit of psychic ability, just a little. <laughs> Indeed. So um, now... Tommy, let me ask you this. If you came across somebody who had one of these things, how would you treat that using the techniques that you use?
2: I would just try to get those energy fields to open up from what's there. Um, You know, it's interesting because she lost the momentum or the motion rather, but physiologically, was she still getting circulation through her legs and everything else? So it's one part of the physiology that was disrupted, not the whole thing. So we just have to try to balance that out and reactivate it.
0: So regular allopathic medicine, uh, your doctors, if you will, they would just call this a psychosomatic type thing and write it off to that.
2: Quite often, yes. Yeah. Or an unknown. Sorry, we can't help you. Kind of scenario.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of those out there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Is that what they do in France as well? With the
1: yes, that's what they would say, and I think that's why she called me because she knew that you know medically speaking, you know, they would say sorry, we can't help.
0: Right exactly um do either of you think that a psychologist or psychiatrist would have been able to assist somebody in this or is this too far off their given path to to do that
1: i think it depends i mean you still the vast majority would have, may have said she's crazy or she's delusional or whatever and given her appeal to relax and that's it um but there's still some people who are open to energy so you know it depends who she would have gone to um
0: and, Tommy, you agree with that?
2: Yeah, for the most part. I mean, just by training, and this is a little stereotypical, but psychiatrists focus on meds. Psychologists do a lot of testing. You know, and so you almost need someone that can do almost a regression or hypnotherapy kind of thing to even start to tackle this kind of issue.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's, that's where Julian and I had actually, Julian and I had actually met was when we were doing our very basic uh, hypnotherapy training. And so uh, I got to do a regression, actually three on him. So we, uh, we actually had some past lives together, which was very rare. The professor in fact said, no, that couldn't happen. Well, it did. (laughs) It did. It was pretty fun. So we won't go into all that, but, uh, but nonetheless, yeah, it was a rare, rare situation apparently so okay so then how's this lady doing now
1: yep so you know once so once the the energy body came back she started feeling her legs again Mm -hmm. but um you know they still had to do some work to really suture you know much in a much stronger way the energy and the physical body so they used some kind of crystals Mm -hmm. that um they basically showed me their toolbox and they had tons of crystals different shapes different colors for the different usage And they took that and they put that into her body and to a point where she got really painful for her. So I told them, can you do something? And then she was cold as crazy on the legs and she didn't feel anything anymore. And they kept working. It seems to me like they were putting crystals around the nerve or the major blood vessels, I think to allow for the energy to, to go through the legs again. And I think after the following day, she was able to um, feel her legs much better and she was able to fold her knees. The one, it took like uh, a second session, but um, the other one went pretty well within a few days. So, which I think amazing. It is just the type of thing, you know?
0: So these guides that are kind of quasi surgeons or whatever you may want to call them, um, were they previous incarnations on Earth, or were they from some other stellar location?
1: So they are not from our dimension. I know it may sound crazy, uh, and I'm an engineer, so believe me, for me they are not from here. Um, and they said that they come from higher dimensions, um, stars, star systems, and they they won't do it for any physical issue. They basically do it. For the, the ascension that is happening right now. So, they're helping our bodies transform, you know, because we've been bombarded from the planet Earth and the sun right now. So, they are helping all of us who are ascending when there's a blockade or a disconnection between your aura and your physical body. And they have the ability to create in the higher dimension and bring this to the physical level, which is pretty amazing
0: it is. And I, you know, just for the folks listening uh, in the psychic industry or intuitive uh, profession, uh, there is an ongoing belief that we are currently moving into an ascension system, which basically means the vibration of individuals and the earth itself is right raising and You're either going to adjust or you will, you know, go ahead and exit this life at at the appropriate time. But they also believe that, you know, third density people uh, will not be able to incarnate any further on this planet. It'll be fourth or fifth, whatever this case may be. You'll hear different stories about that. I won't debate that issue, but I will say that for folks listening, that's the concept. So as Julian speaking about that, that's really where he's coming from. And it's a, it's almost a given in the, uh, psychic world, if you will, uh, that that's ongoing and they feel these vibrations very intensely. And uh, I believe there's some, some science on this and, uh, I don't know, Tommy, are you seeing any of that kind of thought process taking place in your practice?
2: Yeah, definitely with the people involved in this realm. And I think for the audience, the, the way they may pick it up is how many of them feel like life seems to be going a little faster these days. Yeah. You know, I think that's what most people are identifying as the shift.
0: Yeah time and time and a half yeah I got you yeah so that's that's out there okay so then these folks they, they, they tell you what star system they were from or anything by chance
1: they don't necessarily want to be known um, but if you go through Native American teachings a lot of um, their teachings come from the Pleiadians beings. Yeah. Um, so i suspect they're from there um you know because that's is native american and um you know i have a lot of connection with that culture as well right um and um i think they they are the ones that that are operating in this and helping us ascend because they have this ability not all star beings have the ability to really come down to our dimension and bring stuff from theirs to ours so
0: Right. Absolutely. So the Palladians is potentially where uh, where they're from. And if they've told you not to say anything, then uh, so probably they, they want to
1: stay. You know, they, they, they're working. And I think um, it's just sort of part of humility of the way, you know, they do it. And um, they're available to anyone who wants to. And it's because I think we're changing energy over the past few months that, you know, I'm able to access those levels. And I think a lot of folks can and they're available to help. So it's not just through me, but through others, you know, sure. you may have that happen. I've already started reading some French, there's a French psychic who's pretty famous on the radio and she had similar experiences where she did surgery on people and she was basically following orders from, from beings. She didn't even know who they were.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. And and just for folks, Palladians, you can look it up on your star charts, but keep in mind, that's not a single place. It's a huge, huge star system. So we don't know what planet per se on, uh, in the, in that entire star system or even their solar system. We don't know that when people say Palladians, it's, it's, you know, it's like basically saying the Milky way, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a bunch, uh, a bunch of space. So I wouldn't get too wound up about all that. Cause I don't know that anybody actually knows the exact planet or if it's even been charted by any, anybody in the space program. So, um, so can you, why do you think that they came to you in this particular case? Did you ask for assistance during meditations or your work or how'd that, how'd that come to be?
1: Well, I've, to be honest, uh, they've been around me for quite a bit, um, but I didn't know who they were. Um, you know, I always felt foreign on this planet since I was a child. Um, I always felt out of place, um, especially um, I couldn't understand people being mean to each other. Um, so you're um, a I don't know. I really don't know. But you know, it's just been for me, love, love was my energy. And so I was so shocked. I think as a kid, I was basically harassed at school. So I think I left my body for many years. And I basically was out of my body, like it was too painful to be on the planet. So I closed myself completely. And um, I think the the path I've been on over the past few years has really been to uh, simplify to remove all those layers, all those, you know, emotions, all those fears and um, to really truly be myself. And basically when you open your heart, you get to a higher vibratory level. And so they can be there. I think, you know, being a biological engineer, I understand the physical body pretty well. So I guess, you know, they they may have sensed that, but, you um, They've just been around for the past, I would say a few years ago, I sensed their presence, but I, you know, they were very high and it was hard for me to connect with them. And six months ago, I, I, um, basically doing intuitive painting as well. And I started to paint some star systems. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I painted the, the Pleiades because I always loved that system. I painted, um, the Lyra system, um, and I painted, um, Sirius star, the double star of Sirius, which, you know, is also in the different cultures um, for the Egyptians, for example, that might have been influenced by that star, you know, based on the building. So I don't know. I think they're looking for people with an open heart um, who don't have a big ego, who think that they are doing the stuff to go through. And maybe I have a connection with them, you know, and yeah, that's
0: it, why. Yeah, it. you know, there's that universal law that says like attracts like. Mm. And I think that's what's at play here. And I think other people, you know, connect with other sources uh, because that's where they're at. That's where they vibrate. And, uh, you know, everything in, in the world is vibration. And we know that, and uh, more and more is being discovered about that. So um, they said crystals. Has that impacted the way you're using crystals? And I mean, for the for the listeners, just keeping in mind, uh, you know, we use crystals in in science all the time, and you mm-hmm. know, even your watches have quartz crystals because uh, we know it stores immense amount of data uh, and so forth. And then there's lots of. Uh, supposed uses for all different kinds of crystals, you know, and it depends on what you're trying to do. Now, who made those up or figured those out? I can't say for sure, but it's kind of almost accepted that certain amount of these get you a know, red garnet. That's going to be one thing, and a and a rose, you know, quartz is going to be something else. So I don't know. Did they enlighten you on any of any of that kind of thing?
1: So that's it. Yeah, it's. It, I think it's interesting. Well, they're not using, using crystals. They're also using my voice. So, you know, I, it's basically intuitive singing came with them. Okay. Funny enough, I I started taking singing classes again, six months ago. So, you know, some synchronicity there. Yeah. Um, I think crystals are the basic of their medicine. Um, because as you said, as a frequency, and I think, as we know, every human organ or every part of the body has, a, you know, specific frequency, the heart being the biggest one, of course, you know, but. Um, and I think they're, they're, I don't know what, because I don't explain, you know, but I think that they're using that frequency, that crystals, you know, to be able to act. So I think it's much stronger than putting a crystal on somebody's body because they basically take a specific one, adjust it to the person's vibration. So it integrates better. I think it's as if they're putting some kind of prosthetic, but instead of being, you know, a prosthetic, it's a crystal that is, into the person's body. So I think it's much stronger than anything. They look more like um, rectangular shape. So more like quartz crystals to me, but I'm not sure. So, you know, it's made it's fairly, fairly light. So I would say transparent or white, but they showed me there were many, many colors anyway. So I think based on where they have to work, if it's the aura or different the body, they may change. They really have this ability to
0: change and to densify stuff. Right. Tommy, do you have a question on that? I mean, this.
2: No, it's interesting to hear you talk about how the sound was presented to you and how you're going down that road, because we've been pursuing that for a while. There's actually methods you could take, like your medication and imprint it to a sound frequency
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and listen to through headphones, so to speak, rather than ingesting something and getting, you know, decent results. So, I mean, I know there's a lot of ongoing research right now going forward as sound as the uh, method of treatment for a lot of different issues. Mm -hmm. I can take it back though. You mentioned when you were younger, you kind of popped out of your body for a while. You know, for those listening, what did that appeal like? Because I know a lot of clinicians will see that and they won't know what the heck to do with that in the psychological world. So what was your experience? Um,
1: I would basically have, be absent for quite a lot of moments, you know, but basically like be here, sitting here and not be in my body. So my body would feel very heavy. Um, I would have a lot of tensions, obviously, because if your energy is going away, you know, then your body is not fed. So, uh, tensions start building up and, um, you know, it's, it's disconnected from my body mainly. So basically I would eat kind of crap to feel denser. So, you know, I had that habit to eat a lot to really come back down Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah. I would, I would be very different to other kids. You know, I didn't have my teenage crisis. I would, I would, I would run away from those groups. You know, I, you know, I've, i it's, you just feel disconnected and very isolated, you know, from others. And um, like I was on my Robinson, you know, Robinson Island for, for 20 or more years, for example.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, in, in traumas, uh, especially early childhood traumas, it's, it's believed that a lot of people do learn to come out of their body in order to protect themselves. And okay. I know Tommy uses that in his, his treatment. I've certainly run across that with mine. And uh, you know, I think we need to recognize that that and there is the you know, what they call well, child, early childhood, ptsd they're getting a handle on that and how it impacts the rest of your life so uh, you know kids making fun of you that's a traumatic thing and if you're not getting that taken care of or adjusted properly you know where do you go you go where you're safe and if that's outside your body that's where a lot of psychic kids you know go and they're connecting to other places that's safer for them uh mm-hmm. in, in theory they've only been out of uh, out of the other side for a couple of years, few years. Uh, It's not like some of us that are in our forties or fifties or whatever the case may be. And we've been out for a while. We kind of forgot a lot of that. Um, So, and and I think that's correct, Tom, isn't it it with the childhood PTSDs?
2: There's a lot of stuff with the child. You'll see them in school and the teacher will be complaining because they're staring out the window, not paying attention to the class whatsoever. They've checked out, so to speak. And um, yeah, know they'll label that a mental health disorder versus digging a little further to see what else it could be
0: right you know and psychology um has its moments but i honestly believe the biggest part that was left out of psychology is the soul and you know the actual spirit i mean working with just the brain uh the body as the case may be that's great but the soul really rules the roost and if you don't correct those issues um, in other words, spirit issues. I think that the rest is going to be challenging at best to get to get rooted out and make it work. I mean, that's my take on it. But again, that- this is
1: where Jung was going, Terry. And so, you know, strangely enough, um, I'm working with a psychologist. You know, because she understands her limitations, uh-huh. and so when it goes to the soul business, she sends the client. So we we work together. But crazy enough in France Jung is not taught to psychologists or psychiatrists because he was the guy talking about the soul right. and, you know and no it's not scientific enough so he's removed from the programs which is a bit crazy for all what he's brought to psychology specifically on the soul level.
0: Right and for those that listen to referring to Carl we call him Jung here but it's spelled J-U-N-G so, Jung. Yeah, it, it depends on where you're at, how you pronounce that. But uh, you know, another you know, they had the Sigmund Freud, then the Carl Young, and 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 so forth. And so one of the key things that's taught to psychologists, and it, if they're omitting that, then they're omitting a big area, and that's that's sad. So, but uh, okay. So, what would you call yourself if somebody you know wanted to get in touch with you? Uh, would, you would you be a shaman? Would you be what? What would you? label yourself. Um,
1: I think for the US it would be psychic healer, although you know I'm not healing, but I think it's the the closest term I can I can find. Um in France I chose not to have a title um you know because I'm I'm using some shamanic stuff I'm using some energy stuff I'm using some psychic stuff and um, you know, I'm thinking out of the box, um, but um, yeah, a psychic killer would be a good, a good description in the U.S.
0: Okay, fantastic. So um, the rest of this, uh, if somebody wanted to. Get a hold of you. Are, you. are you available for remote stuff? If somebody, you know, back in Minnesota, wants to get a hold of you, is is that something they can do? Is there a website or contact, or how would you want to be contacted? Or maybe you don't want to be contacted at all. I don't know, but uh, and go from there. Um, so I'm I'm doing most of my work is remote. So,
1: you know, the energy travels, so there's no reason why not. Um, so I have a website for the moment in French, but, you know, switching into English, I can, I can definitely be contacted by email. You know, I can share with you guys. Um, and, uh, you know, having, having friends and clients all over the world now, you know, it's, it's easy,
0: especially with Zoom, to connect with others. Right. Absolutely. Do you, do you notice any difference between doing it physically with somebody versus remotely? I mean, as a practitioner,
1: I think it depends. Uh, I'm also doing group practices. So not only individual, but group, interestingly enough um, for groups, it's more efficient, especially when we work on, you know, I work on the, the healing, the feminine, for example, and people can just close the camera on the mic and cry alone at home and most people told me they felt um, better you know remotely than present because they would have, might have been judged by also like oh that person is crying what's going on you know so it depends I think some people hate remote some people like it so but I think it works the same yeah. not better
0: yeah you know I actually like the phone even more than zoom uh, because I can tune my mind into someone rather mm. than have to look at them and go from there so other people like to zoom and that's that's perfectly fine I, i can do it either way but um yeah it's real real challenging uh in these times of course that's one thing covid did for all of us worldwide i mean it basically pushed us into remote you know learning remote issues work and so forth so kind of an interesting field there but uh now um tom you got a question on this yeah actually i do um Coming from your
2: traditional training, medical training, allopathic world, how did you make the jump over to the energy side and how did you balance that? Because we have some listeners that probably in the same shoes as you going, do I even want to make this jump? Am I losing my mind kind of thing? Or where am I at? How did you, how did you make that happen?
1: Well, for, so it started in 2010. Um, Very quickly, I wanted to switch world, but I realized I had, to learn, you know, you have to be patient. So my recommendation would be wait, you know, if it starts first, you know, there's a lot that we need to master before being able to help somebody in front of us. So um, I knew my job wasn't my passion after that showed up, but I was patient enough and I traveled the world. As Terry said, I, it happened, I was in Belgium. Then I moved to China. Then I moved so I went to, to all the Asian traditions I was um, presented with you know, Zen meditation back in the US when I moved to Minnesota. So I had a lot of time. It took me like about nine years. And in 2019, really it became clear, like I would open my laptop in the morning. I had no envy to work whatsoever. Um, it would cost me a lot of energy um, to do something. And I felt I, was, I had to let that job go after all this preparation I had done. You know, but it, it took time. And then one day I was I was still hesitating. You know, Tom, it's not an easy thing to do to leave a scientific job and do that. Um, but one day I had basically two guides sort up, say, we want to talk to you today. Like, okay, well, I have to work. So I worked and I said, come back. You know, you can do that. You can tell them, come back when I, my, my job is done. And they came back and I kind of traveled somewhere with them. So like you say, you know, I just had an out-of-body experience and um i i saw a a being that was so full of love that it was a shock and that being told me well we're waiting so you know it's up to you because we have free will," you know and i came back and i was like wow that's what call a calling? So I was like, well, so two weeks after I negotiated my you know, resignation and I was, I was gone by the end of May, 2019. Wow. So, but it was the right timing. I, I wouldn't rush it. I would take the time to work on yourself because working on others is a tough job as well,
0: you know, but you can do it. Yeah. So you um, were recently, well, let me, let me back up and say this can you call these guys at any given time or do you have to wait for them to arrive? I mean, if you wanted to talk to them right now, as an example, is that something you'd be able to connect to? And, uh, you know, I mean, it's like we think of psychics as giving messages to people, you know, so any messages for Tommy or I sitting there, uh, while we're talking to you, any guide standing right behind you, wanting to give uh, give a little extra advice out there. You
1: know, they're always there and they're inspiring me when I talk about it. Um, It happens not quite often that I channel through my client sessions or my group sessions. Right. Um, You know, I don't think that because they want to stay remote. So I don't think they want me to channel live today. Right. But um, you know what they like is that we talk about them, that, you know, we all understand that we are divine beings in a human body and that, you know, to fix our body it requires both so that's why uh, western medicine is very important we need it but it can be really helped by you know spiritual um whatever you know counseling or something because some issues really are from the soul level and not the body and so if you solve the body and not the soul it will remain so i think they really want humans to understand that we have the power to change our lives and we have the power to be healthy. You know, I think especially in the context right now around the world where people are scared and uh, this is what they want. They want to, people to open up as well that humans are not the only ones in the universe. So I think it's not necessarily easy to accept for most of people. And even me a few years back, I would have said you're nuts. But when you sense it and you go through it, yeah. it's real so you know we have to accept
0: that. You You recently told me you went to was Saint Mary's by the sea supposedly the location where Lazarus and Mary Magdalene landed after the crucifixion and uh, (laughs) you said you were kind of motivated to go there. Do you want to tell me how that motivation came and what did you find out when you got there? Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know why but most of my practice
1: work is with women Mm-hmm. Um, who had been either um, un- unable to carry a child or have issues with the, the, the you know, the procreation um, assisted um, by medicine or um, who had abused, um, you know, or even worse. Mm-hmm. And um, so the energy of Mary Magdalene is pretty familiar to me That's since cool. I started working on that. And um, I got that very strong calling. Again, it's a calling like two, well, it was a two or three weeks before. I basically had a dream and I saw her by the sea and walking in basically, she says, I want you by that date there. So I woke up, I'm like, okay, <laughs> good. I'm self-employed. You know, I have a flexible time schedule. Okay. And um, what's interesting is that that day was the super moon of June. So June 24th. Okay. And more important, the axis was Capricorn. Um, and um, I don't know what the, um, the July sign is. Um, well, with cancer yeah, in France, cancer, but I don't remember. But anyway, and it's my birth moon, north-south. So it was interesting, and I had very strong experiences with, you know, my emotions, my feminine. So it's a calling, and that's how it works. You know, when you're a psychic, you're called, you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you went, and did, would you find anything, or was just needed your presence there, or what, what happened? Um, I think, you know, it's,
1: I had a first just two days, just walking around. Cause you know, those places have a strong energy. So you have to take some time to adjust to it. Um, so it took me some time to really deep dive into the energy of the area. And once I did that, you know, I felt I, I would say I downloaded some wisdom and I'm still digesting it literally like my, my belly has been a mess since I've been there. But the feminine being the belly, you know, wherever you have to, you know, clean all the emotions you haven't digested and um, feeling more inspired to help these women as well. You know, because I think the, the, the divine masculine cannot heal itself without partnering with the feminine. So I think that's why she wanted me to go there and she told me you need to go and work with men as well. So they open up to their sensibility and sensitivity so that, you know, they can heal the masculine. Yeah, that's,
0: that's, that's been around for uh, several years now. The, the need to balance the masculine energy with the feminine energy on mm-hmm. the planet that needs to happen. And I don't think people fully cognate what that is, mm-hmm. uh, but it's, it is true, you know, Uh As we go through these energy shifts and so forth, that's a big part of it. Uh, It needs to happen in every way because, yeah, a lot lot of my uh, clients are females and they've had trauma and traumatized from a lot of misperceptions of uh, things that uh, people have told them. Uh, from a youthful age and they've perceived that this is how they're supposed to act, how they're supposed to be. Um, and that's not necessarily true. Uh, they just were told by what I always call your demigods. It's your mom, dad, aunts, uncles, preachers, and teachers. Uh, and so there you go. So Tom, you got a, you got a question here. We're going to start to wrap this thing up. So.
2: Yeah, no, I think uh, I get the same. Most of my clients are either public safety or veterans. Mm-hmm. So that's historically a male dominated field. Right. But the need for them to get in touch with the more feminine side and be able to emote their experiences instead of having to suck it up and move on kind of thing. Right. And so seeing a big shift of acceptance within those cultures that, when we started, to, you know, thirty plus years ago in that field, right. um, that was not an option. Right.
0: Clearly not. Clearly not. So very good. Well, Jillian, you have any uh, wrap-up thoughts um, before we close close this podcast down for the day?
1: No, I just wanted to thank you both um, for inviting me to talk about this. I think they are happy up there that, you know, the um, information is out, that, you know, we are, there's help available, that we are very, very complex and interesting beings in the universe. And um, I think they just want to make clear that um, everything we do here goes through the physical body.
0: Right.
1: So, you know, you cannot raise your spirituality if you don't dive deep dive inside your physical body if you don't handle your emotions if you don't do sports if you don't eat well you know i think that's what they want to say because many people want to go to the stars first but you need to have good roots in here i think that's how we close it terry and tom
0: okay fantastic and i will just say i have been around julian a lot and what he's saying is true i have seen entities around him so he's not just Blowing smoke up your skirts folks. He really (laughs) does have these folks around him. I've seen them myself and interacted. And uh, it was interesting. I think I'll, I'll just tell the one brief story when uh, he went into a, uh, you know, a past life regression, Uh, the place I first saw him, matter of fact, I don't even know it was an aggression. Maybe it was just something I picked up first, but we were on, I told him if he remembered this, but we were on the plains of Gaul. And of course, Gaul's the ancient, name for france and he was on a horse and i was on a horse as well overlooking a previous battlefield and he had a human heart stuck on the tip of his spear and i do remember that very it was very interesting and and then as we progressed through several more lives it became self-evident that that was an issue and then you were creating biomechanical parts artificial parts for hearts and uh, so when people think of karma and balancing and dharma, you know, uh, yeah, you were doing exactly, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of heart stuff that uh, was damaged during some lives, and now you're fixing that, which is, I think, absolutely uh, fantastic, and uh, just showed that exact framework of of how karma slash dharma uh, actually works. So that's that's very cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm so well hey folks it's been fun Uh, I've enjoyed the opportunity to get caught up with uh, Julian here on the podcast and I hope you guys have as well for our friends in Europe that may be watching hey welcome aboard and uh, I'm sure Julian will be happy to uh, work with you and and probably folks in the states although the time difference is about six seven eight hours so uh, you may be at midnight in your jammies by the time you get talked to him uh, at breakfast so uh, but we can make that all work I'm sure and And for everybody here at the podcast, we appreciate your time and effort. And we'll be back again for another episode and uh, another exciting guest. So thank you very much.
2: Thank you again, Julian.